This is the Salt Podcast with me, Keith Mora, and my guest, a three-sport athlete in golf, basketball, and softball, currently committed to NCAA Division II Notre Dame College for softball, Eliza Brickner. Good afternoon, Eliza. Good afternoon. The purpose of the Student Athlete Leadership Team is to bring students together from different sports and discuss, develop, and become better leaders for our teams, community, and most importantly, ourselves. The purpose of this podcast is to widen our reach from our SALT meetings and to hopefully make an impact on those that are listening to want to become better leaders for their team, community, and themselves. When John arrived, he was greeted by a friendly old sensei named Akira. He helped John unload his bags and get settled. As they walked the grounds, taking a look at the advanced training areas and shooting ranges, John grew more and more excited. This place was amazing. He couldn't wait to get started. But the next morning, Akira gathered the newly arrived apprentices and informed them that their first task for the rest of the morning, they must chop wood and carry water. John was surprised and confused. He addressed his teacher with the proper title of respect that they had been taught. Akira Sensei, what do you mean? The old man explained that their community was outfitted with every modern convenience except for heat and running water. Instead of using gas or electricity, they burned wood for heat when the weather grew cold. And in order to use water in the bathrooms and kitchen, it must be brought by hand from a well outside. Thus, in order for the community to use water and stay warm during the winter, the community depended on everyone to chop wood and carry water. But when will we go to shoot? John wondered aloud. Akira just smiled. Shooting will come soon enough. But first, you must chop wood and carry water. This book aims to teach you how to fall in love with the process of becoming great. All those little things, the little wins that get you to the bigger achievement. So talk about it. What goes through your mind when you think about the process of becoming great? Thinking about my own experience, um, getting to where I am now. Um, I've just committed myself for like the past, how many years? Let me think. Eight years. I know to softball at least, but um, I've just been playing for a long time. And I know um, I've had like good parents and coaches that have taught me like um, just to not only work hard, but to just compete in everything I do. Um, Just always, you know, you can always work hard, but it's just that grit and the drive to like want to win each time, whether it's a drill or, um, just like skill work and stuff like that. Um, so I always kind of like to acknowledge like my parents that have like pushed me to do that. Um, but also in the process, I've met some other girls, my age, um, kids, my age that have, um, had the same drive and heart for the sports as I have. And they also kind of pushed me. So having, friends and other girls and players to um, become great with has made it just so much fun and just made it I just loved it yeah so one thing that I I didn't hear you mention but I know you've said it before I know that you believe in this is patience is a is an enormous thing because so often somebody decides that they they want to pursue something or or they they want to they want to become really good at something at that point that's when the really hard work starts 
I mean, you've made up your you've made up your mind. You've made the choice that, that you want to be great at something. But now it's going to take countless hours and it's, it's going to feel like you're just spinning your wheels and that you're never making any gains uh, towards towards becoming great or, or towards that goal. Uh, maybe, um, you know, you think you're working really hard and, and a year goes by and, and you're still not performing the way you want to. So you start to, to wonder uh, if you just made the wrong choice and, and you start to give in to some of those negative feelings. It's so important that you just remain committed and, and you, you understand that at some point it's going to happen, but maybe it's because you haven't pushed to that, that next level. You, you haven't, you haven't fully committed to those, those long hours of time in the gym or, or time working out or, or time studying or time, you know, reading and learning to try to perfect whatever it is that you're trying to get better at. Uh, so often people want that to just get over with, but, but the, the tough thing to understand is it doesn't get over with there, there is no end date. Uh, you have to stay committed to it at all times. Um, and that's one thing I really love about this book is it really continues to, to teach some of those, those understandings and, and help help someone really come to come come to grip with that. Uh, so let, let's dive back in. Let's go back to the book. As the weeks passed, John grew more comfortable with his life in the community. One day, he woke up to find all other apprentices crowding crowding excitedly around an announcement that had been posted in the dining hall. It announced that each year the incoming class of apprentices would be able to compete in an archery tournament. John could barely contain his excitement. He loved competition, and he was in- intent on winning the tournament. He couldn't stop talking about it that morning as he finished his daily routine. Finally, Akira grabbed his shoulders and sat him down. He looked deep into John's eyes. John, Mother Teresa always told people, be faithful in the small things, for it is in them that your strength lies. The temptation, while you were here with us, will be to focus on all the big sexy goals like winning the tournament and becoming a great samurai archer. You must fight that temptation and stay focused on chopping wood and carrying water. Do you recognize the name Ingvar Komprad? John shook his head, no. Good, Akira smiled widely. Ingvar was a young boy who spent four or five years selling individual matchsticks door-to-door in his small town in Sweden. He was often laughed at when he would tell other boys he couldn't play because he needed to ride his bike three hours into Stockholm to purchase another box of matches. John couldn't believe his ears. Hold on. You mean to tell me that this little kid was really, sell- was really selling individual matchsticks door-to-door for years? Yes, John. This is a true story. When Ingvar was 17 years old, he decided to name his, decided to name his company. You might have heard of it. IKEA is worth more than $150 billion today. John listened in awe as Akira continued. John, everyone wants to start the next Ikea, but few are willing to be faithful, selling individual matchsticks door-to-door. Everyone wants to build the next Apple or Facebook. Nobody wants to sell matches. Everyone wants to become a samurai warrior, but few are willing to be faithful in chopping wood and carrying water. Every now and then, a person comes along and accidentally gets it the first time. But most of us have to learn the hard way through multiple failed experiments, which allows us to learn lessons and skills those who had it easier did not develop. Steve Jobs didn't set out to transform entertainment, computers, music, telecommunications, and education. 
It happened as a byproduct of passion, persistence, and faithfulness to a small idea. The problem with small is that it isn't sexy and is often boring. A guy who played professional golf once hit by a bus and the people serving as his doctors told him he would never walk again. But he trained hard day in and day out and went on to win a major. He said, everyone thinks greatness is sexy. It's not. It's dirty, hard work. Ingvar didn't have a sexy idea. He had an idea most people would laugh at today. I can't even imagine how much grief he took from friends and family. What are you you're doing? What? That is the stupidest idea ever. Everyone wants to win championships, but nobody wants to sweep the barn they practice in like John Wooden did for the first few years at Westwood. Everyone wants to be great until it's time to do what greatness requires. Don't believe the myths. Greatness is far from sexy. It is dirty, hard work, usually required to be done in the dark when no one is watching while your dreams are so far off they feel like fairy tales. Dream big. Start small. Be ridiculously faithful. Focus on what you can control. Yeah, what I love about what Sensei says here is that, you know, everybody like has big goals and everybody's told to like dream big and stuff like that, which is totally true. You know, I've been, my mom and dad have told me my whole life to just shoot for the stars and just have such big ambitions. But it's so important that you start small and just have like a super strong foundation for yourself. Um, I remember you know, when you first start playing softball, like they teach you how to throw and catch and they'll probably do that for just like hours and hours and hours. And I know it gets so boring. I remember when I was little, I would just get so bored. And I was like, you know, when are we going to start like doing plays and when are we going to start hitting or whatever? But um, if I if I hadn't done that at such a little age, um, turning double plays, throwing girls out at um, home from the outfield would not even be remotely possible at my age. So I just think that is so great that he throws that piece out there. I think he could have titled this book matchsticks. <laughs> like the, 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 this chapter is, I mean, there's a bunch of really good chapters, but I feel like this chapter specifically talks about like chopping wood, carrying water, doing all those little small things. Mm -hmm. What, what you're saying, like starting off by throwing a softball, not throwing somebody out at home with a softball, right. but like knowing how to throw a softball, like, picked up the ball years ago i cut you off i'm sorry no you're it just, fine it just, it just, fine. Got, just got me thinking no, about fine. it <laughs> i feel like so often you you have again like what what you just said like you got bored early on because you wanted to know what the next thing was going to be like what, what what when's when's the plays come in when do i get to to slap or bunt or, or whatever um and i just feel like that that goes back to our earlier conversation about you know finding those those little wins that, that just keep you coming in every single day. I know I talk to you guys all the time about finding the little wins. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's one of our things around here that we always talk about, like find the little wins. Don't try to win the game on the very first at bat, you know, find the little wins, win, win the next pitch, win that at bat, win that next, you know, uh, sprint or, or whatever it might be. Don't try to win the entire thing all at once. Um, and that's really what this this Ingvar Kamprad was doing. I mean, he was he was finding all these little wins every single day by by going and selling one more matchstick every single day. Um, and it, again, we talk about grit. It just shows how gritty he was at at a young age. I think that's that's phenomenal. And and you know, it showed his drive at such a young age. I think that's that's tremendous. Do you have I, anything else for this? No, I I completely agree. So there's another another story from this book um, that talks about the bamboo mm -hmm. and and the way that bamboo grows. 
I think that chapter goes perfectly with this one. In that chapter, they talk about how it takes about five years for bamboo to grow and you have to water that same spot every single day, yet you see nothing. And and like that is that is exactly what we're talking about when we talk about athletics and mm-hmm. that being alone in the gym shooting baskets or, you know, being out on the football field on a, on a Saturday afternoon running sprints when no one else is around. That's the watering of that plant years before it ever blooms. And then, you know, in the, in the story about the bamboo, they talk about how, you know, after about five years of watering that spot, it eventually shoots up over 90 feet in six weeks. And it just, again, goes to show that like you might be a late bloomer. You might be somebody who's been chomping away at this thing for years, but your, your big moment doesn't come until your junior year. Whereas somebody else, maybe they sprout up their freshman year. And I think you see that pretty often too, where you, you see that kid as a senior, like wh- where were they last year? Right. Um, well, it's that, it's that bamboo, you know, it just took them a little bit longer to get their, their plant fully watered. And then <laughs> now, now they're here. So, um, you know, I think it's just a thing. Yeah. A lot of the work happens when no one else is watching and, you know, you have to believe in the process. You have to believe that at some point, uh, it, it's going to happen for you. So, all right, let's go back to the book. He told John that in Japan, they have a deep love of architecture. And there once was a man named Koda who built some of the finest houses in all of Tokyo. His work became world famous due to his dedication to the process, his willingness to beat on his craft, and his relentless devotion to keep learning, even late into his career. Eventually, though, Koda grew tired of building homes for other people, and he was ready to retire. He had been building homes for over 30 years, and he was ready to move on. He wanted to travel and spend lots of time with his grandkids. One day, Koda approached his boss and turned in his two weeks' notice. His boss said, Koda, we are forever indebted to you for the magnificent work you have done for our company, and we are so grateful you have worked for us for so long. We do have one favor to ask you, though. Could you please build one more house? It is a very important house for a very important client, and everyone in the company agreed it needs your magic touch. Coda was frustrated. He would have had he would have had to cancel two trips and postpone his new life, all for one house. He told his boss that he needed a day to think about it. After talking it over with his wife, he gave in and decided he would build one more house. But he told his boss this is the very last one. But while Coda had agreed with his with his head to build the last house, his heart was no longer in it. He had always been very hands-on through the entire building process, always selecting the finest materials by hand and making sure every detail was diligently tended to. But this house was different. He viewed it more as an obligation than an opportunity. He delegated much of the work, and consequently, a lot of things started slipping through the cracks. The house would be up to code, but as it started to come together, it was obvious that it lacked the wow factor that Coda's other homes were known for. Coda knew in his heart that this was far from his best work, but he was over it and ready to move on to the next phase in his life. The next phase was much more appealing and, and important to him than the present moment. After four months had passed, Coda finally finished the house. He went back to his boss, telling him, I did what you asked. Now I am asking one last time for your blessing to retire. His boss said, Thank you, Coda. We just have one more thing. Now, Coda was beginning to get really upset because he thought they were going to ask him to build another house. 
His boss reached into his desk and pulled out a very small black box with a red ribbon tied around it. He handed the box to Coda and said, We are so grateful for you, Coda. This gift is a token of our appreciation. Coda pulled the ribbon, opening the box to discover a set of shiny new keys. His boss smiled. The house is yours. You deserve it. Immediately, his heart sank. Unbeknownst to Coda, the whole time he had been building his own house. If he had only known the house was his own, he would have cared so much more. He would have only used the finest materials, and he would have overseen every detail and given it all, all, and he would have overseen every detail and given it his all like he had always done before. But now it was too late. Skipping ahead, each one of us are building our own house. Sometimes you might think you are building for your school, your family, your company, or your team, but you are always building your own house. I hope you build wisely. So I love this chapter. And and one thing that I was thinking about as I was reading it was how often do you have to go to practice and just don't want to go, you know? I, to me, that is what this chapter is talking about. It's it's about that that concept of like every day, if you view every practice as another board of your house, would you ever want to miss a practice? No. Would you want to be missing one of the boards of your house? You Never, know, would, no. would you want to, would you want several blocks of brick to not be in your house? You know, and people can see right through your your living room. Um, if it were viewed that way, you would never want to miss a practice. Yet, how often do you hear about people complaining about having to go to practice the next day? Every single practice. Every single practice. <laughs> um, maybe not from everybody, but it definitely happens. Yeah. So, to me, this is this is a great reminder in this in this chapter that you know. Again, you don't always see the results. One practice probably isn't going to be what wins or loses you a championship, but it is that accumulation of many practices all together that builds this championship or that builds this house. And that's what it's talking about here. It's saying, you know, you're, you're building your own house, whether that be for you, for your team, community, school, family, whatever it is, the, the work that you do or don't do is, is the house you are building. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. I remember um, this is one of the earliest chapters in the book. And I remember after I read it, I ran to my mom and I was like, Mom, Mom, I have to tell you this story. (laughs) I was just so excited to tell her because I had just never um, thought about, you know, practices that way. Um, It was definitely a complete game changer for me and my own um, accountability in my work. And whether it be at school or um, practice or whatever, I just... Um, you know, I always think about like my teammates and stuff like that and helping them out at practice and stuff like that. But thinking about working for myself and, you know, building like a brand for myself, I just, um, it was a complete eye opener to me and wanting to, you know, make sure that my foundation is really strong. Absolutely. I I actually, you say foundation, I always say it to the, the football team when I'm out coaching them there'll be times that I'll, I'll be, I'll be explaining something to them. And I was like, this is, this is the foundation of our house. Like this is, this is what we are built on right here. So like when I would call our defense in the previous years, I was like, okay, like this right here, what we're talking about, this is the foundation of the house. If, if this thing right here isn't strong, the whole house will eventually crumble. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to continue to drive home that concept of, of what I read in the book is it's, this is so important. You can't skip this. Mm-hmm 
practices are so important. You can't skip them and, and go be great. Um, you know, the concept I was talking about for our defense that day, that concept was so important that if you don't know this, you, you can't be successful in, in our defense. Like it doesn't work without this. So it just, it just continues to just drive that home. Right. Yeah. And then, um, you know, my mom and dad have just always told me like that they never want me coming home from a practice or a game full of regrets, you know, Coda just completely regretted not like using the best everything or like, like using his craft to his advantage or like doing his best at it. And so I just, um, the idea of regret scares me as an athlete. And so this chapter just completely like opened my eyes to it. So. Absolutely. You say regret and I can, I just think about people always talk about like, you know, it's your senior year, it's your last chance. Like it is. Mm-hmm. And I really hope you spent the previous three years caring as much as you do right now mm-hmm. as a senior and as a coach, I mean, I've been around for long enough. I've, I've heard it so many times. Like, it's our last game. We got to go out with the band. Like, I hope you decided to care before your last game or before your last season or before your last practice or whatever it was because it's way too late now. Mm-hmm. Like, what's, that foundation is built. So right. if you were somebody who skipped workouts all the time and – was rare at any voluntary practice. And the only time you ever came was when it was absolutely mandatory for you to come and you gave a decent effort, but not your max effort every single time. Like that's your foundation. Like you built that. Right. Like our, our team will suffer because of it as well. Like you also helped build our team's house. Our team's foundation is weaker because you didn't necessarily give as much as you could, but your house individually is also pretty weak, you know, mm-hmm. compared, compared to the person who, who took the time from, from the very beginning, you know, from middle school or from youth level, uh, you know, athletics, you know, they started building that house a long time ago. If, if you didn't do those types of things, your house is inherently weaker. So right. there's that. All right, let's go back to the book. Like thirsty people guzzling salt water, achievement only creates a greater desire for accomplishing more, dehydrating us of true satisfaction and fulfillment. After Andre Agassi made it, to number one in the world in tennis, he said, I thought that getting to number one was going to be the moment I made sense of my life, but it left me feeling empty and I spiraled down. Have you ever noticed that some of the most outwardly beautiful people on earth seemingly have the most troubling relationships and that some of the wealthiest people have the most sleepless nights? A man from South Korea who played in three World Cups and in the English Premier League once told me in his broken English, before I have any money, I never have and I never have I never worry about money. I get to the EPL and sign big contract and all I think about is money. It is not our place to judge, but it is wise to learn from those who have who have come before us. The scorecard society judges us by tragically is tragically flawed and pursuing it will leave you completely unfulfilled. It is time we develop a new scorecard and how we define a truly successful life. I want you to think about a few people that you that you truly admire and write out what characteristics they embodied that you would like to be known for. So, okay, so let's try this. From what I read, what would be the new scorecard for you? For me, um, you know, I like to think of it as the brand we talk about during our meetings all the time. So every day I just want to resemble um, being kind to people, competitive, enthusiastic, humble, and most importantly, add value to others. You know, by the end of the day, I should be able to stand in front of the mirror and look at myself and say, 
you know, I was kind to people today. I like showed kindness to as many people as I could today. Um, I competed today. I not only worked hard, but I wanted to win at everything I did today. Um, I wanted to get a 100% on the test. I wanted to turn all of my assignments in on time or, or even earlier than that. Um, I was enthusiastic today. You know, I was um, didn't let negative things bring me down. I was excited about everything I did today. You know, um, I was humble. I showed humility in like everything I did. And most importantly, I added value to others, which if you think about it, like being kind and competitive, enthusiastic, that all those things, when you do them, it adds value to others. You know, when you're kind to people, it adds value to others. Um, when you compete, it helps to push other people, which definitely adds value to them. And um, I just want to be able to, you know, my parents have always said I should be able to look at myself in the mirror every night and not have any regrets. Right. I think, you know, what what they're saying here is, you know, the, the South Korean player was, was, you know, he was obviously great. He, he was a professional, but, you know, he was, he found himself so worried about money because his greatness led him to a very large financial contract. And uh, I just heard this the other day too. Somebody else said it. Um, not, not that I knew personally, but somebody had said, you know, you don't think about money until you have so much of it that it really just runs your, your life. And, you know, it's not just about, you know, money and wealth. I mean, it's, you hear this all the time, you know, the true wealth isn't, isn't the car you drive or the house that you own or, um, how much money is in your bank account. It's like what you're saying. It's, did you add value to other people's life? You know, if, if you were gone tomorrow, what would people remember you by? Would they remember you by the car you drove or by the way that you made other people feel? And some people want that, you know, some people want the car. Right. <laughs> other people want to know that they, they left something behind. They want to know that they had an impact on other people. Um, that's why we do these podcasts is that we're, we're trying to reach out to other people and, and just get them thinking about it. You know, mm-hmm. what, what do you want to, what do you want to leave behind when, when you leave high school? Do you just want the diploma and like, let me just move along. Like I got nothing else to do here. Some people are like that. You know, that's like, mm-hmm. that's all I got to worry about. I can just give me my diploma. I'm moving on. I don't care about this place that I'm leaving behind. But other people want to say like, Hey, when I leave, I, I hope I made an impact on somebody. Um, mm-hmm. I can think back to teachers right now that are now retired because I'm getting old, <laughs> but you know, they left an impact on me. I still remember things that happened in our class together 15 years ago. You know, they clearly made an impact. Um, I hope that one day people remember me for the impact that I made on, on our student athletes. I, I would imagine that, that your hope is that when you leave high school, people in the programs that you belong to remember you for, for being a great leader or for, you know, the way that you treated people, that you were kind to people, that you showed humility, um, you know, that, that you were humble, you know, which I could tell you are, you know, um, <laughs> You hit a couple monster home runs the other night, and you just you 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 weren't over celebrating. You know, you you had <laughs> right. act like you'd been there before. <laughs> yeah, my mom has always like talked to me about like first world, second world, third world problems. You know, the tennis player, his problem with money and worrying about money—that's totally just like a first world problem, but one universal problem that everybody can relate to. Yeah, yeah, um, it's who you are as a person. You know. I don't know. That's just absolutely. I, I agree 100. Let's let's wrap up there. Um, do you have any last thoughts 
for for this book? View success, you know, just just trusting the process. You know, it's so easy to want to give up and just get tired um, or become complacent in yourself and just like, you know, where I'm at is good. But I just after reading this book, it has just made me want to just excel in everything I do and help me understand what I need to do to excel. That's the most important thing. 100%. This was the first book that I read when I started like diving into leadership and, and wanting to inspire others in, in this way. Um, you know, I w- I've been coaching for several years, but to me, coaching was just, you know, all the X's and O's and all that. And then I read this book and it, it also got my hair on fire too. I know I don't have a whole lot of it, but it was on fire. Um, <laughs> you know, just, just, the messages and the simple, the, the simplicity of this book. I mean, it just, you can knock out five chapters at once, um, which makes it really easy to read the book. So, right. um, Eliza, why don't you tell people where they can find this book? Yeah, for sure. Um, they can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble and other major bookstores. And then they can also find this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Breaker and Apple Podcasts. The next SALT podcast will be coming out on May 10th when we meet for a SALT roundtable discussion. Until then, work on falling in love with the process of becoming great, be where your feet are, and put in the work.